Welcome to the Effects Loop. I'm Diaz. I'm Scott. And we're doing a cool, fun little new segment called Explain It To Me Like I'm Five. So if you've listened to the podcast before, um, well, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I would suggest maybe backing up a little bit. This will be really cool, too. Don't start episode um, one. Don't start on episode one. Though we had a really uh, we, fun theme for a while there of... The Star Wars names? Yeah. Good yeah. thing we, we we ended before they named Last Skywalker, so it wasn't as fun. Yeah, because then we would have been like the last episode and we would have had to stop. <laughs> that that might have been for the best. <laughs> <laughs> you guys should stop with your head. You know what? That's actually a smart idea. Um, but we're going to do this little segment, and a lot of it is based on the fact of in the dynamic of the podcast, we have uh, me, Jonathan Diaz, who is not uh, formally educated in anything engineering-wise with guitars um, or even anything guitar-related at all. So... But, I, you, you said know, it great one time where you're like, I'm not the best with things like knowledge. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. I'm not best <laughs> with things like knowledge. Um, but I've learned some things over the years and hanging out with smart people like our friend Scott here. I've picked up some oh, informational please. things. And, you know, it's really cool is because I can like whenever someone's like, oh, you play guitar? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah. So what do you like? And I can say spit off something smart sounding. And they're just like, oh, I can play smoke on the water. Makes me feel good about myself. <laughs> and it makes me feel sad at the same time. One of the hardest parts is whenever I, like, as, as much as I love, I, you know, I obsess over guitars. And I've got a podcast about guitars. And my vacation request off is purely based around guitar events. Um, when people are like, oh, you play guitar? I do too. And I start talking about, like, pedals and stuff. And they're just like, oh, yeah. No, I got this guitar at Walmart and an amp. And I can play back in black. And I'm just like, oh, okay. I hate that moment. Always makes me sad. Mm-hmm. That's probably how you, that's probably how you feel. Like whenever people start talking about stuff and you think they're going to say something smart and you're just like, oh. I mean, there's a lot of moments you experience where people are uh, spouting things as if they're scientific facts and they're horrendously wrong. <laughs> How many times have I like tagged you or screenshotted you? And I'm like, is this even correct? Is this remotely right? Like, listen, I'm not, I'm not great with things like knowledge, but I know that's not right. Well, and you know, a hard lesson I've had to learn in my life is no one likes you when you come in and you go, well, actually, um, no one likes that. (laughs) I enjoy it sometimes. Um, So when when you're self-aware about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Scott, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your, actual background in this field of science and things um yeah so i we often like to say i work in an adjacent industry right um yeah so uh, my day job i lead the chicago office of an acoustics consulting firm so we while i don't spend as much time being an engineer these days as i used to be um and uh for reasons we'll get into another discussion i'm not a professional engineer licensed um but i have engineering degrees and studied uh, acoustics and electrical engineering when i was in school uh in kind of a unique program that also brought a lot of formal education into um 
recording. I, I took a number of uh, recording classes with, through Purdue's theater department. and I downloaded Audacity once, so I got that going for I me. I learned on Digital Performer way, way back when, which I miss every time Pro Tools crashes, like the first three iterations of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, our, our intro is getting polished now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we're getting good at this. Um, so yeah, and we're at also at the screw it point. So if there's any drop-offs in the audio from here on out, sorry. Pro Tools is being a pain in the butt. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's my background is um, engineering and then audio, professional audio from an engineering perspective, not just the, I'm going to tweak some things and make it sound good. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've I've kind of always approached a lot of these things from kind of half in, half out m- mindset of like, you know, when I'm playing guitar, I'm not thinking about resistors or, you know, oh, it's the 500 hertz, blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, when I'm not holding a guitar in my hands, I tend to think about things very scientifically, if you want to put it that way, or analytically. So I have, uh, I often approach things from kind of that engineering perspective. And um, it's it's just a different way of sometimes thinking about things. And so, Diaz, you often turn to me, you're like, Scott, explain this to me like I'm five. Exactly. And uh, it's a good opportunity. Sometimes we have to explain it to me like I'm three, but that's not the fun type. And you know, let's, but, let's, let's use that as the format. Like if I ever get like, I get too <laughs> deep in the weeds, you can just be like, Scott, explain this to me like I'm three. Yeah. <laughs> so you you stumbled upon something this week that you're like, Scott, I'm, I don't know what, what I'm talking about here. So. Well, one of the things we talked about it in the past episode, I think it was the last episode you were on. Yeah. Um, we, because we thought were you we talked about the iridium yeah i think and, i brought that up yeah and so that was kind of the thing where we were going in and we started talking about balanced out and all that stuff mm-hmm. and which we'll hit on in a little bit but uh looking uh at this pedal versus so we got the iridium and then we started looking at the joyo uh preamp house yeah and that was really cool a person brought it up in another group and it called it the Iridium Killer, capital letters spaced out. And there was a couple of things I saw on it that really kind of piqued my interest. And I started talking about it, and then I realized I had no clue. And I, you actually jumped, and you probably saw me commenting. You're like, hold on. Dude, I comment me... on your posts so much at this point that I actually get, like, alerts. Notifications? Where it's like, Jonathan Diaz posted a new thing on Facebook. And I'm like, what? I'm not that stalkery that's kind of stalkery jonathan jonathan diaz is making an idiot of himself swing in scott swing in (laughs) (laughs) that's a more that's a that's a better note that's the next new feature coming from facebook (laughs) (laughs) Um, but so one of the things that so we've got the joyo powerhouse we'll talk a little bit about that our preamp house yeah Uh, this has nine amps in it Mm -hmm. it has a uh, balanced out xlr Mm -hmm. it's got a built-in ground lift mm-hmm. it's got a lot of cool things even has a cab sim mm-hmm. so looking at the iridium there's a you know besides aesthetics and even some of the guts but just pure features there's some different things mm-hmm. the iridium has an ir section which mm-hmm. ir cab sim there's a difference yes okay um that's one of the things so let's let's kind of hit on that so 
when so an IR is an impulse response. Correct. And a cab sim is supposed to simulate the way a mic'd cabinet sounds or close to, I'm guessing. Uh I mean that does depend on the intent of how they created that cab sim, right? Okay. So like a lot of a big complaint with a lot of these things is oh, it sounds like what you hear at the audio producer desk, you know, mm-hmm. or what it sounds like in a studio. It doesn't sound like an amp in a room. Right. Uh, that's a big thing for the Kemper. People talk about that. Yeah. Uh, well, and that, that amp in room feel thing is something people bring up all the time. Um, and that's an honest reality here of um, all these pedals are trying to create the sensation of a mic'd amp. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to recreate that feel of an amp in a room because, you know, first off, an amplifier going full blast is 100 plus decibels and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like, it's a lot of sound. Um and you know first things first um we need to remember that the human ear doesn't hear sound the same at different levels we don't have a flat response ear um there's this concept called the fletcher munson curves um that's a big thing but uh it's basically it's there to say all right when something's 50 decibels the human ear hears things different than when it's a hundred decibels. It's almost like having a different EQ curve on your ear. So just like whenever people say, Oh, when I was playing my rig in my bedroom, it sounded amazing. But whenever I got to the venue, it sounded like crap or vice versa. Um, that, that is would a factor that, that can definitely be a factor that, in that. I'd say that's probably a big factor. There's, um, there's that. And also just the reality of you're trying to make sound fill a container, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and your 25 watt amp probably, um, you know, fills up your bedroom really well. Um, but when you get into a big hall for 200 seats or 500 seats or a thousand seats, depending on how big of a hall you're playing in, or realistically the bar, that's three times the size of your bedroom, whatever, wherever you're playing. Um, it's a different scenario. It's a different room that you're filling up and the room reacts differently. Would you say it's kind of like, so imagine if you had like three ounces of water in a three ounce container, it's going to be full. But if you have a three ounces of water in a 20 ounce container, it's going to seem like there's nothing in there. It's going to be, it's going to have a different feel to it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's feeling... kind of a way to think of it. Um, I, I would say See, I, it... did, I said something that wasn't totally stupid. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I often tell people like, um, let, I'm going to get too technical for a minute here. Uh, so interrupt me. Um, there's power, right? Um, when when you think in terms in the name of physics, of Jesus. yeah, there's power. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, your sound I just, source. I totally derailed you. you did. <laughs> um, the sound. So if you think of um, a, a guitar amp as a sound source, um, okay. it creates a. We we talk of these guitar amps in terms of power, and we can get in mm-hmm. terms of in terms of watts right which is a measurement of power um oh gosh and then you got the tube watts versus solid state watts yeah and... let's let's not go down that road too yeah, deeply please not that's another episode um and honestly someone else needs to come in and talk about that one a little bit because i don't really understand how those things work um nick greer if you listen to this come on buddy oh that would be a great guy to have on um oh, yeah. so if, if we just talk in simple like all right your guitar amp produces 20 up. 20 watts and it goes through a speaker okay. of a certain sensitivity that creates mm-hmm. a sound pressure 
level that you hear or SPL, you know, those kind of things you're here. Your ears don't hear power. They hear pressure. That's okay. just the way that ears work. Um, and sound pressure in a room is how much power per square foot or cubic foot of volume you have. Um, and so if you think of it in terms of, um, I like to talk about it in terms of density, right? Um, mm -hmm. A pound of feathers and a pound of lead weigh the same, right? Correct. They have the same yeah, weight. I've they have the same mass, but they have different yeah. volumes. They fit. So if you if you want to fill up a pillowcase, putting a pound of lead doesn't work. It's going to be this really small thing. But if you want to fill okay. up a pillowcase with feathers, a pound of feathers will definitely fill up your pillowcase. Does that make sense? It sure does. Okay. So if you have. I'll, but you have a, a really dense solid object. So like um, in the same way, you have a fixed amount of sound power that your, your amp can put out. So mm -hmm. when you're in a really small room, it's going to be physically louder than when you're in a big room because you have to fill up all that volume of space with power. And so your power okay. density is not as high. Does that make sense? So the power density is not as high in the big room? Yes, because you have more volume okay. to fill, right? Gotcha. Okay. Yes. Makes perfect sense. And so in the same way, now your little amp is not filling up that volume very well. Right. So that's a big okay. factor. Okay. And I forgot how we got on this. So we were talking about... You were complaining about home tone versus oh, stuff. Okay. Um, all, right, all right. Impulse response. So why don't yes. you give me... Explain impulse responses to me. Like um, I'm five. Impulse responses is a fancy way of expressing something that has an input and an output um okay literally everything um there are certain rules to what can be described as a linear of uh with an impulse response and what can't in the electronics world um but there's also this thing called a transfer function out there in the world I, i'm not going to get into that deep but basically an impulse response is what the difference is between what comes in and what comes out of a set device, any type of black box, anything. Um, so uh, the way I like to think of impulse responses is for guitar players, imagine all your pedals, right? Mm -hmm. Each individual pedal theoretically is an has an impulse response to it. Now that's not exactly true, but just think of it that way. Like I plug into my EQ pedal, it goes in one way and it comes out different. Okay. And there's a change in that system right okay. from what happened right. before it goes in and when it comes out so um, it's something that's adding a variable that has yes. an in and out okay it's the easiest way to explain impulse responses in a very simple way um it's different than some other ways of expressing in signals going in and out um but for long and short of it an impulse response is quite literally the change between a system going in and out it's a okay. way of expressing it. Um, a fun, it, it's also equivalent um, to what happens in that system when an impulse hits it. Uh, hence the name, impulse response. Okay. It's the response to an impulse. Um, an electronic impulse in electrical engineering world, impulses are infinitely short, infinitely volume, or infinitely high in level, and 
has content in every frequency. That's an impulse. So the easiest way to create an impulse is to basically create a static shock or a, like a blip. Um, or frankly, most times you listen, if you ever actually open an impulse response and like play it on a computer, it sounds like someone just clapped in a room. Just clap, one click one, and the decay of a system. That's what it sounds like because um, it's actually very similar because um, clapping is very much like creating an impulse in a room. Right. It's in, it's infinitely short. It's a lot of energy right all at once. You know, that's what, a, yeah. that's what a clap is like. Um, okay. And so that's, that's what that looks like. It's using a special type of math called convolution integration. Um, it's really hard calculus and I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, yeah, dude, I, I don't, I don't do letters. Like, yeah. Um, sorry. <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's, um, by the time I hit convolution, I'd already gone through three courses of calculus, linear linear algebra, and other math courses. So like it is high level stuff and it's very difficult. I struggled with it a lot in school. So. Well, that makes me feel better. Yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's it's difficult. It's very intenser. It's very intense on like a computer processor to do it in real time. Okay. Um, so when and, you, why, so when you're plugging in an impulse response, that's mm -hmm. are they trying to mirror the same response that the cabinet gives like does to sound? What are they? What how how do they like figure that out? What they're because every impulse response I've seen is trying to make. It, it, it has like a counterpart it has like oh this is like a two by 12 mesa something mm -hmm. or other like so how are how are they getting this clap thing to wh what are they how are they like capturing that sound from the cabinet or are they, like how are they trying to figure out oh well this is the way it should go mm -hmm. um it's actually a really interesting question uh so remember how I said, like, it's basically an in and an out of a system. Yeah. If you treat that idea of a system, any type of black box, there's all sorts of different ones in the world. Um, and so you can actually create impulse responses of all sorts of things. So like, for example, what I do in my work, I create impulse responses all the time. Um, I create impulse responses of rooms for how a room echoes. And then from that information, um, I can determine certain criteria of a room um, from from creating an impulse response of what that room sounds like. Why don't you sell impulse responses of like halls and stuff like that? Because uh, the reality is that's not what you want. You don't want like a re like a reverberation out of that. I mean, I uh, I could probably give you a few of, of a few famous concert halls if you want. Um, they're readily available for free out there in the world um and yeah but yeah but did scott get them uh no, no i mean the other reality those. is i switched jobs last year so i lost access to a lot of information because i didn't take it with me because i was honorable leaving that company oh man i'm hacking tonight yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna watch that movie with uh matthew lillard and angelina <laughs> jolie <laughs> hackers uh, yeah <laughs> so when when i was talking about like there's an a there's a point a to point b right 
that's the impulse response. And so right. in this situation, in the guitar world, we're often thinking of what does it sound like when it leaves the amplifier, hits a speaker, goes out into the real world, and then comes back into a microphone, right? Right. That's what we often think of in these terms as these impulse responses. The reality is most of the good impulse responses that you're buying have a little bit more to the system than that because you can actually have multiple steps in an impulse response. So if you think of it, okay, I've got, you know, your, your Mesa four by 12 into a Royer 121 microphone into a Neve console, into this compressor, into this, that's okay. your whole signal chain, right? Right. And that all gets captured in that one single impulse response. So you're not creating multiple impulse responses and compounding them on top of each other. You're just doing one big, one fell swoop there of all that, all that content. Okay. And it's just the path uh, from A to B. That's what and, that impulse and, response is expressing. Okay. And so a cab sim. Yes. What's going on there under the hood? Um, generally, so cab sims have been around for a long time too. Um, but the fun thing about cab sims is a lot of them can be done with analog components versus um, impulse responses require digital processing. Flat out. Okay. There's no way to do impulse response convolution with an analog circuit. It requires a processor, which is why we're suddenly seeing them like really crop up is it's a, it's a matter of technology. The processors finally got good enough to do that in real time and in an affordable okay. way. Um, but impulse responses have been around for decades just not real-time processing of that, right? Like, it takes me 10 minutes to process an impulse response on my old crappy computer, you know, back in the day when I ran that software on a Windows XP machine. Um, Good whereas, old Windows XP. Yeah, whereas now now we can just run it real-time. It's great. So when we get into cab sims, right, that's analog circuits making an approximation of how a cab will sound. Um so okay. we know that speakers don't produce sound perfectly, right? There's every, I, I, I didn't know that. So yeah, that's, that's what separates all. That's why we have all these different speakers because all of them imperfectly recreate sound. Okay. Um, some do it better than others. Some require multiple speakers. Like if you like, you look at studio monitors, usually there's a tweeter and a, and a woofer. You know, that small right. little speaker in the, that does high frequencies and the bigger speaker that does the lower frequencies, right? And that's just, that's science. It's just, it, it's almost impossible to create flat response sound. Um, so FR, FR speakers are a myth? Get out of town. Yeah, there's a lot of things in that. But Because um, if, if it was true FR, FR, it wouldn't matter what company you got it from because it would still sound the same, correct? Yes, if it was a perfect speaker, yes. Exactly, but there are no perfect speakers, as we learned here today yeah. from Mr. Scott Hamilton. Yeah, actually, the reality is uh, the more expensive speakers get, the less accurate they actually are. Oh, so my head rush is not that horrible. Well, that I mean, it, it's, it's diminishing returns. Like, there's uh, the cheap speakers don't do a very good job, um, and then they kind of hit a really nice point where they do a really accurate job. And then the really, really like the $100,000 speakers are actually not flat, are actually less flat than the cheaper speakers in terms of response because they're sweetening the sound and adding things. Oh. So 
so yeah um when we think about like an alnico blue or a greenback or a vintage 30 you know all these different speakers they produce sound differently right that's why right. cabs sound different when you add a different cab to it um for lack of a better term you could think of it as an eq okay like it's 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 more it's more precise than like the five band eq pedal you get from boss but um there is an equalization so what comes in comes it the levels get unbalanced when they go through a speaker okay. as, you're, as you're transitioning that electrical energy into acoustic energy in the, in the real world um so a cab sim will approximate some of that stuff all the eqing that happens in that process and often that can be done with a fairly reasonable analog circuit um but you know cab sims have been around since gosh 80s i mean think back to the old tech 21 stuff that was all cab sim yeah. um dude i love tech 21 i've got the the liverpool i've been using a lot and yeah. that's got the cab sim built in and that thing sounds sweet yeah i mean so i mean it, this is not new tech when you see cab sim it's just been improved upon yeah and so actually what's interesting now is when you think about now that digital processors are coming to cheaper markets, right? You could do a digital EQ circuit and get a really accurate EQ um, that's really precise and finite and d does all that work it, without as much processing power as an impulse response. Hmm. So that's why they're cheaper still. I mean, it is a cheaper option to do. Yeah. Um. All right. So one of the things that you, you said a word that was kind of a, this was what the whole comment really came from. Well, no, this is part of what I was thinking about. One of the things that's uh, been, I don't know if it's been a complaint. It's been a, a reservation for me on the radium mm -hmm. is it's not balanced out. And I've had, I've tried to understand it and I still just can't wrap my mind around it. So Scott, explain it to me like I'm five. What's the difference between a balanced out and an unbalanced out? Um, the type of cable that's used. That, that's it? They are different cables. They're different standards. They're different formats. Um, but you can have a quarter inch balanced out, correct? You can. But, um, but it, I think you know the answer to this already. It requires a different type of plug. Right. So why would why do you think Strymon would not put a balanced out? Um, or so if you have an unbalanced out, can you plug directly into the board or like a powered speaker? Or well, I know you could probably. You run can. Direct. You absolutely okay. can. There are issues with it. Um, okay. You know, it's it. I think I I also complain made that complaint of like why wouldn't they do this. Well, and, actually, I saw your complaint, and I jumped on the bandwagon. I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, come, what are they thinking? And Scott will explain <laughs> it to me later. Like, I think that's kind of how it went for me, actually. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, it. the common thing a lot of us have seen is a lot of acoustic guitar pickups, right, systems mm -hmm. are still quarter-inch unbalanced. And we all have seen these direct boxes that get dropped on the floor in front of us. And you plug yeah. into that, and then a microphone cable comes out of it, right? Right. Um, because we're used to these quarter-inch guitar cables that are really actually crappy technology. But we insist right. on continuing to use it because reasons. 
because um, whenever Gibson like comes up with a solution for it, we abhor it. So I know that's right. Oh no, you hate tuning your guitar? We'll make robot tuners. Well, I, if I recall correctly, the er, the first robot also had an Ethernet jack out, like what that cable that you yeah. use for internet. <laughs> that, yeah, it used one of those cables instead, um, and people hated it because it just added devices to your system. Um, yeah, but we also oh, you know, said it had that instead of a quarter inch. Yeah, no, I don't think that. I think they had both. There, There's no okay. way they put out a guitar with only Ethernet cable. You had to use an adapter into regular quarter inch. But yeah, no. there was one. No. I, I Okay, I'm not going to get into arguing that one because okay. like, I don't know which which model it was, but I thought it was the robot, the first robot. I'm looking it up. I'm sorry. Like This is before they made the robot tuners standard on like the guitars. It was like uh, their like, get... custom shop one that could self-tune, and everyone's like, oh, that's a cool proof of concept. Okay, here's one that's yep. got Ethernet. The HD.6X Pro. Hold on. I need to look at. Okay. Where's. Here, Sorry. let's. Uh, why don't you keep. Oh, it, it, did, it did have a quarter. It had a classic okay. mode, is what it was called. <laughs> classic mode. Yeah. Okay, sorry, guys. Uh, so um, we've seen that scenario, right? With an acoustic guitar player plugging into a direct box. And sometimes they'll bring like a boss tuner in and they'll just put a TU2 mm -hmm. or TU3 in that line and whatever. Um, and then Taylor kind of screwed things up. If you remember right with the ES, the original ES system had mm -hmm. a TRS jack on it instead of a regular standard quarter inch. Um, and they, every, every Taylor guitar came with a cable that went from TRS quarter inch into an XLR. And so everyone's like, what? I don't need a direct box anymore. I can just plug into a mic cable. That's awesome. Until everyone started complaining about the, the Taylor ES system later right but um that was kind of an innovation that they brought on that still has a totally kicked into the acoustic guitar world um and those those systems are different um but what they did was they moved from what's called an unbalanced plug which is what the normal thing in the world is um right. in the guitar world we're used to to a balanced plug um and what that does it there's a reason there's actually a lot of reasons why that's done um particularly in the electric guitar world is um to run balanced signals you need more circuitry just flat okay. out you do um and so like you ever open up uh uh even the most basic microphone there's usually a bit of circuit there's a preamp circuit already in there um to do stuff and actually make well, we... it into a balanced signal that goes out. Okay. Whereas you open up a guitar and there's literally three three wires, period, in those things. And it's like guitars are extremely simplistic um, circuitry, right? In the in the grand scheme of things, yeah. yes. But uh, for me, they're they're complicated. <laughs> yeah. Um so there are advantages to unbalanced signal um, or to balanced signal. Let me correct that. Um, and it, it's, the, it's the preference to run balanced audio everywhere um, in a, um, a pro audio environment because balanced cables are more resistant to noise from the outside world. So I think you... So... Go ahead. Is a no, like, so one of the things that... Um, 
when you run like a speaker cable, mm -hmm. is, is a speaker cable usually balanced? No, a speaker cable is unbalanced as well. Huh. Well, I'll have to ask you later how come people are like, well, why can't you use an instrument cable to connect your uh, your head to your cab? It's too, like people freak out about that. Wait, what? I've, heard, I've had people like get all antsy about running using a normal guitar cable yeah to like run your tube head to your cab oh yeah those are different still an instrument cable and a speaker cable are different as well gosh dang it both are unbalanced both are unbalanced okay i'm unbalanced too so that works out uh <laughs> so and then yeah the, go ahead. If, if you were to take a scissors right now and cut a microphone cable open, a guitar cable open, and a speaker cable open, and look at them. Um, first Come off, on, let me get my scissors. Yeah, a, a guitar cable is coaxial, i.e., there is a conductor, like a, a chunk of a chunk of copper, right down the center. Right, just like your like uh, antenna cable stuff like that. In the sort of, but yes, well, they're both coaxial cable styles. Yes. I'm five years old. Yes. It's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Generally equivalent. Um, if I remember right, cable internet cable has a solid core. So it's just like one wire, whereas okay. it's braided. So it's a lot of little strands together right. and your instrument cable. So it bends really nicely. Um, and then there's a chunk of rubber or some type of insulator. And then there's a braided shield or a wrapped shield, i.e. all of the second cable that's in that because there's there's two two conductors um okay. that whole secondary part wraps all around that center core without ever touching it okay um that that's called a coaxial cable there are noise benefits from running coaxial cable um that there's there's noise benefits from it because there's there are electrical signals out in the world from radio television your cell phone um radiation from things there's a lot of stuff out there in the world in the electrical spectrum and it influences our electronics it gets into the system um without getting into much more physics than that but there's a reason why we can pick up radio signals on bat on guitars that don't have their grounding right <coughs> seriously we've they turn into a tennis oh no i know i've had random people going there's a yeah. goal i was like there's spanish soccer coming through my guitar yeah and so that's usually due to a bad cable more often than not um so if you look at that that that's a coaxial cable with an instrument cable when you get into a um balanced cable what you'll find is that same shield that wrap around is still happening mm -hmm. happening but, and that's your ground, but instead of having one signal cable, there are two cables inside that inside that center, usually braided okay. between each other. Sometimes they're braided, sometimes they're just run parallel um, through that center channel. Um, okay. And what happens is on the electronic side, um, typically those two cables are carrying the same signal, but out of phase with each other perfectly um okay. and so when one is going plus in the direction this the other one's going the opposite direction with the same amount of amplitude um so it like if say if we we're if you're sending something that was one positive one volt at the same time the other one's going negative one volt okay does that make sense uh, yeah, a little yeah um 
<laughs> yeah. It, I mean, we can get into wave cancellation and stuff at another oh, point, another session. Yeah. Because this is getting really long already. But uh, yeah. <laughs> what what that does is when those two are run at opposite polarities like that, any noise that gets induced into the system gets mm-hmm. induced to it opposite each other. So one gets it in, in one polarity, one gets it into the other polarity. So what happens at the other end is that polarity inversion gets inverted again so what you should be doing now is you're adding two signals back to each other perfectly in phase okay and all the noise is now perfectly out of phase with itself and cancels itself out okay that's cool Uh, so whenever my one of the main things on this though is like i'm five Mm -hmm. i want you to tell me uh why is it that you should it's more beneficial for a direct rig to run balanced out uh so remember that thing i was just talking about how noise is getting eliminated from the signal yeah that lets you run that lets you run really long cables without getting noise okay okay and then so uh one of the things is especially whenever you pull whenever you're running into that direct box and Mm -hmm. then having to run that direct box out um and it's on the joyo uh what is it the preamp house there's a ground lift yep what is that pretty much activating the like cancellation or because i know I'll, the way i remember it is i'm standing next to a bass player mm-hmm. and they're like there's a lot of hum hit the ground lift and then he hits it mm-hmm. and it's gone yeah so um remember how i was opening up another can of worms remember how on a balance cable there were three thing there were actually three connectors right there's the two in the center with the polarity inversion and then there's the shield on the outside right that shield is the ground or connected to ground what that does it the ground lift it disconnects the ground at that side okay which forces electrical signals to find different routes through a system but long and short of it is if you have too many grounds in a system mm-hmm. or different paths to ground it can cause what's called ground loops which means okay um electrons are traveling in that system electrical signals are traveling in that system in a route you don't want so and that's a common thing you hear about ground loops whenever like your pedal board and your amp are plugged in to is it the, it's the, to the same outlet uh it can happen that way um, I've... what more likely happens when you're dealing with ground loops with guitar amps are either, um, you're running like one of those SGI box things to run your mm-hmm. guitar amp remotely and okay. you're on two separate electrical ground circuits and now you're having ground loops or, yeah, okay. um, you're using two amps like my fender and my Vox together create a ground loop. Okay. And when they get plugged together, they just they just start creating this crazy howl until I put right. a I put a ground lift into the system. Using okay, it. and you can get away with doing that in a lot of these systems because there's a transformer in it. That's really what happens. It's not you're cutting a cord. Often you're using a transformer right. to separate something while still allowing audio to pass through. Um, you're getting rid of the direct current connection. Okay very cool all right and then there was another thing and then we're going to talk about which one of these you think is actually kind of the best the best 
But Ooh. let me pull it back up. You, well, you haven't you haven't heard either of them in person yet, have you? I have not tried either in person. Um, okay. I have not actually heard a demo of the Joyo yet, so I can't really talk. Okay, so we won't talk about that. Okay. Well, all right, we'll talk about features only. Okay. Um. So one of the things we've got the balanced out. Yeah. Um. The last thing that was of what I consider like a big difference, the Joyo has an effects loop yeah that which is really great because all right and so i'm gonna tell you how i thought about it i want you to tell me if i was completely like way off or not Mm -hmm. so the way i thought about it is um i for some in my head and i'm thinking strictly signal chain like if you were just to write it all down completely Mm -hmm. um i would imagine i would want to put some of my uh modulations before my like after the like preamp but before what's the cab sim before the speaker yeah um which is common in high-end guitar amps right uh you you have you have a break between the preamp and the power amp right yeah um and so you get all your overdrive from your preamp and then you can run Mm -hmm those sparkly effects cleanly because usually your power amp doesn't distort that much usually so but am i incorrect in thinking it's gonna sound different if i was to run like say a delay well we'll yeah we'll do like like a modulated delay Mm -hmm. it's gonna sound in my mind i would imagine it would sound quite a bit different or it could it, it might just be a little bit if i was to run it in the effects loop after the preamp and everything before the the speaker sim or it would sound different than if i was to just run the speaker sim out into the modulated delay um it can Pro- it can and here's here's why is a lot of those speaker sims are trying to mm-hmm. add a little bit of reverb into the equation okay Right, that it's creating that room feel, or like just that that, that, that amp and room feel that yeah. that everyone's wanting to get, or just the um, reality of like when you mic up a guitar amp in a studio, you're getting some room in the sound, no matter how close to the amp you get that speak that microphone. Right? But I I feel I feel like the effects loop is really a big positive thing because I don't know if you'd want to run a balanced out into some some of these guitar pedals would they have an adverse it would be remarkably hard to do that okay um and it also depends so there's a few different standards for running audio signals so there i don't know if you've ever seen instrument level or line level written on anything ever yeah line level runs at a higher voltage so it's just going to be loud running so and if i and if I was to run at line level into um, like a reverb or something, it could cause distortion. Could like un- unwanted distortion. If you if you have a weird headroom kind of thing, like for example, okay. on my I use an analog delay, right? So I have a total right. recall. That thing overdrives. Mm-hmm. So like if I'm running a boost too hard into it, it will start overdriving and oscillating. So that's yeah. equivalent. Like if I'm running line level into that thing, I'm going to blow it out yeah well that was one of the big concerns because we were we were talking and uh 
and Cole Duke mm -hmm. uh, was talking about that. And Cole, who's also in the same uh, field as you, and you said Cole actually has some background in this stuff. Yes, we were discussing. He, you know what? It's really funny because me and Cole used to not get along, and now we kind of do get along. Mm -hmm. And I realized he's not a total doucher. Oh, he's actually a really nice guy. I, I, I can say that confirmed. I've met him in person. Great guy. I, I yeah. Great, great guy. Super fantastic. chill. Fantastic guy. <laughs> um, but, but like, I, 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 and like Cole and I, Cole and I have a like a professional relationship as well. Like I send him stuff periodically that's like work related. So, um, yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, but th that was one of my, that was one of the things I kind of was excited about was I figured the effects would be, be would be really cool because I, I just imagined with a balanced mm -hmm. out, it would kind of distort, but with the iridium being an unbalanced out, would it... sorry, Diaz, I lost you. It's all good. I'm here. All right, so you said with the iridium being an unbalanced out, you want to just start that sentence over again? Yeah. So with the iridium being an unbalanced out, yeah, would that cause that would that you feel that that would reduce the chance of overdriving or causing distortion because it's not that would be instrument level, right? Unbalanced out. I'm assuming the iridium goes instrument level out, or there's a switch okay. on it. You often see a switch on these things that will say line level or instrument level, and it's a physical switch you gotta kick on. Yeah. Um, I also don't know why it would run unbalanced line level out. I don't, I don't see that as being a realistic scenario. I think, yeah. I think with the Iridium, they just thought, all right, people are, some people are going to throw this in, in their pedal board in a normal chain. And some people mm -hmm. are going to run this into an amp for whatever reason. And it's just there as a backup. If they got a plug in direct, I think that's what they were thinking in it. And so they were trying to, a lot of the things in the Iridium are, are really kind of dummy proofed mm -hmm. like it's really usable is what i'm hearing from a lot of people like they're like i just plug I it in and it works no dialing yeah I, I think that's the big thing is too is they yeah. they kind of they they really apparently hit these tones that they're shooting for what it was they had like a vox tone a yeah. fender tone and a marshall tone that took and no effort like i haven't heard it, anyone make it sound bad yet i i don't think i have either well there's been yeah. a few uh, but I it probably was production wise or something like that. Yeah. But uh, Ryan at Sixty Cycle Hum did a really great demo of it, mm -hmm. and it it has a really good sound. All three voicings, in my opinion, though, mm -hmm. sound somewhat similar. But also, it's are you talking about Ryan's demo? Yeah, he used yeah. the same IR on well, all of them, though, didn't he? No, each, each mode has different IRs. They have three IRs oh. per mode that are uniquely different. Oh, um, part of that is just like. I think you're hearing a lot of just Ryan's playing style okay. that just transcends whatever amp he's using. I don't have uh, the acoustical engineer ears yet. Okay, um, I'm going. I'm going to night school uh, for that. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I just sit around and, uh, and and drink and listen to Pink Floyd. Same thing. So, I mean, I uh, I took one of my classes was with Buford Jones. I don't know who that is. Pink Floyd's get, run a house engineer. Oh yeah, because I totally he did the wall tour rem... with them. He's the guy who did the quadraphonic <laughs> sound thing. Okay. Yeah. Oh, dude, what what about what about quadraphenia with uh, by the Who? Uh, I don't know that one well. You don't know that? Okay, no, you, you're don't. gonna have to check out that album. It's on the list for tonight. Um, so, okay, so going back to so the Iridium's original idea, I really think it was supposed to be they tried to make it simpler and more of a Swiss Army knife for everybody. 
that it's it's mm-hmm. it's more meant as the backup solution than it, it's meant to be the primary thing even though it sounds so sticking good I don't um, like that though. I don't feel like Strymon should ever don't well, shoot to be I, second. He, you don't want to be the backup choice to the prom. But here's the you here's the thing. The... Like like what would you do if you wanted to use an amp for one gig, you maybe had a backline for another one, and maybe you had it, I you know, something else. And I think on the Iridium you mm. can turn the impulse responses on and off and the amp on and off, right? That's what the two buttons are for yes okay so the idea being okay you're showing up for a gig and someone gave you a hot rod deluxe and you're a vox guy right right so what you do is you take the iridium you skip the cab sim and you plug into the power amp out or power amp anyway the the effects loop return on the the hot rod deluxe you have a vox okay. sound coming from your hot rod deluxe for that uh, you gig. know what okay that thank you for explaining that to me like i'm five because yeah. that is actually a good idea because you're yep. you're getting your preamp mm-hmm. from the iridium mm-hmm. and you're using the power amp pretty much just to so you're pretty much just like hijacking the speakers yeah. and the power to to boost it yeah and then you're going That's, to well, shoot and then you're going to another gig and no backline shows up but you can plug into front of house and the um the sound system's good enough to be for that system cool you plug that any venue you go to is going to have a bunch of direct boxes so you right. can just plug right into them no problems no whips or dongles or anything like that's the big complaint with the hill the hx stomp is if you want balanced outs of them you have to have a trs decoder to xlr adapter right and everyone's like where the heck do i get these and the answer is always go to the line six website and uh, pay like 25 bucks that's right because Our- that that cable company that i was going to say doesn't pay us yet uh <laughs> oh yeah actually yeah. hang on just never mind i was gonna say our other sponsor um has released a cable but i don't think he's done that type I'm, of cable yet i no, he's not he's not i think he's sticking to pretty much a standard cable yeah okay um anyway that you, you need a, a an uncommon cable i mean you can go buy one at guitar center but like, okay i have two or three of them that are like two footers Mm-hmm. Um, that I have for other uses. Um, I have them for my sound card because my sound card is TRS outs. Anyway, um, so like that was a complication and people were like, I got to put a lot of work into the HX stomp to get sounds out of the Iridium. You literally plug it in and it works. Right. And you're done. Now the Joyo preamp house, right? That has mm-hmm. an XLR out. So that's essentially, does it actually have a normal quarter inch out? I believe it does actually. I only saw I the effects loop on the back. Does it actually have an output on the back too? Oh wait, no. Yeah, it no. does because there's four. Oh, does it? All right. Well, there's there's four outputs an, on and it. an effects loop and an out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if you're running that amp situation, I'd hope that output on the preamp house skips some of the electronics in it, okay. or something like that. Anyway, um, but the reality is, uh, they're running stereo on the Iridium versus this, the preamp house is mono. Okay. And you can do a stereo input into the Iridium. Right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. It, you need a you need a an insert thing where it goes two cables into a TRS, but that's that's solvable. But it still it lets the Iridium stay as a Swiss Army knife. Now, I would still like it to be 
TRS for whatever reason I want it to be mainly if I'm recording at home with it, but yeah, that's such a short cable run that an unbalanced cable is okay. Right. But like, okay. I can't run to front of house a big 200 foot, you know, cable run realistically. I should not right. be using an unbalanced cable to run that whole length. So you yeah, should you're be gonna plugging have in. degradation. Yeah. All right. So we're going to wrap this up. Scott, I'm going to let you pick first and then I'll tell you what I'm going to pick. Um, based purely on the features, not the sounds, because you haven't heard the Joyo. Yep. Um, and not the brand, but yep. purely based on features, which one are, which one would you pick? Right now, I would lean towards the Iridium. Okay. I would, I would probably go towards the Joyo. It's got a few more amp choices. Um, I do like the XLR out, mm. and being able to run the effects loop and just using that yeah. because I, I feel like that's, and then you've also got the quarter out if you mm -hmm. want. So one of honestly, like I know uh, direct boxes are everywhere on that, but sometimes it's just so much easier just to run that XLR cable, plug it in, oh, unplug yeah. it and go. Um, totally understandable. So yeah. Oh, and also uh, one of the cool things on this is that, uh, it's got the clean and distortion channels for all the amps. That's pretty cool. And, and, and which we didn't mention. And also, um, so you have two, you have access to two channels. So like you could do a clean, uh, fender on one side on one button and like a distorted Marshall on the other or mm. crunchy Marshall. So I feel like that's really cool. We didn't mention that. Yeah. But um, that's I think that's really neat. I think they're both really cool, and uh, I mean it's pretty awesome. Uh, a couple so the amps we talked about the amps on the Iridium were the uh, Fender style, the Vox style, and a Marshall style. On the uh, Joyo is a sixty-five twin, a JCM nine hundred, an AC thirty, a Lone Star, a dual rectifier, a fifty-one fifty-three, uh, Powerball a th200 and a be100 which i feel like the be100 is kind of weird because isn't that just like a modded marshall like a jcm 900 uh i thought the be100 is a plexi no uh maybe it is plexi i don't know uh but um it's uh i just think it's pretty cool on the joya there's quite a few amps now overall sound i'm gonna guess that the uh stream is gonna sound better but I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. And, uh, but yeah, I think they're both really cool. Yeah. But Scott, once I, again, thank you for explaining to me like I'm five. Yeah. I just want to follow up with if we, you know, those companies wants to do a shootout. Effects oh, yeah, at yeah. gmail.com. That's right. Do the, do the shootout. It'll be great. It'll be fun. Um, but all right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us on our first volume of Explain It To Me Like I'm Five. For the Effects Loop, I'm Diaz. I'm Scott. And we'll see you later. Bye. How long was that? Like, felt like an hour. It was about an hour. Oh, my gosh.